Greetings, prairie dwellers. It's your man, Adam Pecora here, and welcome back, or possibly welcome originally, whatever, to Requiem for a Tuesday. How's it going? Good. How are you? Great. Okay. Uh, big show for you today. What can I say? As always. Um, so, as I mentioned, we're in a little bit of a bank session here. So, if there's some popping things popping, ATM for my present day folk, apologies. We're going to be a little delayed. Next couple episodes going to be banked up. Doing a little vacay because, you know, I've been working so hard and I deserve it. <clears throat> Anywho, please rate, review, subscribe to this show. <laughs> and uh, uh, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, we got it all. There's a video special, episode 55. Uh, the link tree's got it pinned up for you. You don't got to worry about diving in, looking too deep. Uh, there's music. I got my solo stuff under the moniker Wolf X. Uh, there's a video on that same channel. Uh, Multiplex got things cooking. Masters are sounding fire. And uh, more details to come on that. It's very exciting. Um, but yeah, for this old boy. Doing it big. Uh you know we're on Stitcher, but really, you know Apple, Spotify. Do you think give us a give us a little five star? You know, say what's up. Pretend like we're a Mead notebook. They were always the best ones in the folders. Too. Really, just all those products were top of the line. Top of the line, I gotta say. Uh, speaking of which, I ran a little color pencil scheme yesterday. Yes, that's right. Uh, didn't want to go Crayola, didn't want to spend $10 on the Prismas, you know, you, you, but you know, I'll take, I'll take from the corporations. What can I say? You know, you take a candle, you slap, you pe the stickers peel really easily off of cheap candles. Just so you know, you know, you slap that sticker over anything. Now anything's $3. It's, uh, it's an easy way to go. Uh, but little follow up on what I believe is last week's episode, but we talked about Chris Rock a little bit and how I long to see top five. I uh, saw top five. Actually, at the time of the recording, it was in the mail. I had already ordered it. Um, As well as Down to Earth. Rewatch Down to Earth holds up exactly as well as I thought. No real notes on that one. Top five, I got to say, what a fucking knock out of the park. Uh, I had read good reviews. I didn't really know what to expect. Didn't expect that movie, that's for sure. Uh, really, like, artfully shot. Just very well shot. I was very impressed across the board just with... The entire aesthetic of the movie, but it's also a very interesting movie. It's like a combination of a bunch of things. Uh, and I would say that that's its biggest flaw is that it definitely tries to do like way too much. 
So Chris Rock plays. Th- this is clearly, I would say, somewhat semi-autobiographical with a lot of liberties thrown in, you know, to make it a more compelling movie. But it seems to line up, this movie, around the time with his actual divorce, which uh, didn't seem to go too well based on tambourine and such. Just general media coverage of said relationship. Um, so he plays a comedian who doesn't really want to do stand-up anymore. He basically plays like Eddie Murphy, but if Eddie Murphy wanted to do dramas instead, instead of children's movies, but he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm past that. I don't know. That was just the first example. It's not, I don't think he's at any capacity trying to be playing Eddie Murphy specifically, just to clarify that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So there's the, he is marrying a reality star. So like a Kim Kardashian type and he has to deal with their entire relationship being just a part of the show and her kind of caring almost more about the show than the relationship and, you know, the struggles with that. It's kind of just like, oh, being a famous guy sucks too. You know, it's like a boohoo kind of thing, but does a good job of you know, really showing it. You know, he struggles with alcoholism. I believe that that's also a true thing with Chris Rock. Don't want to say that for sure, but I think so. Um, and yeah, it kind of takes place in the course of one day. He's being interviewed by the New York Times. The reporter's Rosario Dawson. So, I mean, what a treat for everyone involved. She is an absolute angel. And really just the entire cast of this thing is just a knock out of the park, top to bottom. I mean, it's just star after star. Uh, Chris Rock was either like, hey, I'm calling in all my favors. But either way, he's got who wouldn't want to be in the Chris Rock movie. So I don't think that there's very many favors. The only favor was probably Seinfeld, which I'll get to in a second. Um, But I mean, Cedric the Entertainer is out of this world in this movie. I'm just going to leave it at that. We won't even begin to spoil Cedric. He is just on a hundred and it's a little too much. I'll be honest, but full respect <laughs> for how much he went for it. And, uh, that character who was just a dog, uh, he's the most connected man in Houston. What can I say? Uh, but I mean, Leslie Jones, uh, Tracy Morgan, uh, who else? The guy from the 40-year-old virgin, the only one that didn't become really famous afterwards. I don't know his name, but sorry to that guy. But he's good. He was good again. Um, I mean, his fiance lady was, get, was played by Gabrielle Union, but I don't care about that personally. But I'm sure that that's a big deal to a lot of people. Uh, there was Kevin Hart. J.B. Smoove was like his main guy. He was in it the whole time. And, you know, you got to love that. He was pretty tame, I would say. He didn't really get to cook too much, but that's all right. Um, Anders from Workaholics, who his character was wild (laughs) he talk about going on a hundred i mean really people just walked into this movie and just 
I mean, stepped to the plate, bottom of the ninth, two outs, and just fucking crushed it. Um, Michael Che was in it. Really just a lot of people. Just like a ton of comedians. There was a crazy DMX cameo. Um, But it's really just kind of like this big ode to stand-up for Chris Rock, I would say. Of... I mean, the seller is in there. They talk about comedy the whole time, and it just features all these comedians. Um, not that Down to Earth doesn't, too. That's one of the things that I loved about Down to Earth, that he just plays a stand-up. Uh, the movie kind of centers around stand-up. Chris Rock kind of just gets to be Chris Rock. Um, and that movie's kind of ridiculous, but it's fun. And this one is a much more serious version of that. I would say it's... It borderlines on a comedy drama. It's not even a straightforward comedy. Uh, He struggles with alcoholism. See, here's the thing. So I mentioned it tries to do too many things at once, right? So he struggles with alcoholism. And in the course of this one day, like, he breaks his sobriety. But then he's already just kind of instantly over it. So that's a little thing. Uh, He instantly falls in love with Rosario Dawson. But he also has a conflict with her that they shoo in. Um, what else happened? Yeah, then there's just the Gabrielle Union thing. Like, it's just all too many things. And they kind of all happen at once. It's like, it's just trying to be too many movies, too many tropes at once. And the story remains very interesting throughout. It's just like there's too many threads and they don't all get needled together, if that makes sense. But nothing that happens is really, like, disinteresting. Um, the story just, it's a little disjointed. That's all I would say. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't follow any, it's a very loose structure can be a little hard to get used to, but so it'll, it cuts to like a flashback in Houston. That's where Cedric, the entertainer comes in. And that is just like a wild story of how he decided to no longer drink. And then there's like a Rosario Dawson flashback, which brings in the Anders character. And that just reveals a whole wild (laughs) amount of things. But basically they use these flashbacks to just like tell these outlandish stories. And then there's like kind of random voiceover. So it's a little bit it's a little bit jarring just like when these things happen. That's all I really have to say. But all the execution of the individual elements are great. They just kind of don't thread together well. That's my biggest complaint. Um, It has elements of, like, Get Him to the Greek, too, where, like, in Get Him to the Greek, Aldous Snow, fictional celebrity, in a real world with real celebrities playing themselves. Also, the overlap of, oh, I'm the rock star guy, but here's my album and African child... (laughs) Which is especially crazy because it's a British guy, right? But then, uh, so Chris Rock's character is this ex-comedian trying to do serious movies now. And he's promoting this movie about the Haitian Revolution. And people just aren't really taking him all that seriously. And so, kind of parallels there. um, Because that's where the cameos come in as well. Whoopi Goldberg, Adam Sandler, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock think someone else may have been there too i don't know but they're all chilling at a strip club hilarity ensues yeah 
I cannot speak enough about how much every single cameo or really just the entire cast, however you want to phrase it, they just crush it across the board. And this movie is just excellent. That's why I'm, I didn't even plan to go this long on it. Um, but honestly, like I watched it pretty much right before bed and I just kind of stayed up contemplating it. Like, wow, how are we not giving this more recognition? Uh, especially because I didn't know Chris Rock had this in him as a director. I, it was very well, again, I the like visually the way this movie looks, it's incredibly well made. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of The Hangover too. Um, kind of just because there's like, you know, he goes to jail, whatever, there's extreme stuff. But then that's when he runs into the DMX. And like DMX just kind of has like a Mike Tyson-esque cameo in this movie. So I guess that's where it just reminds me of it. Um, and yeah, the same thing with like him relapsing very quickly. He also decides in that same day to go on stage for the first time in however many years. So it's just like all these things all happen in one night. Just a little far-fetched is all I would say. I think it's supposed to be one night. Definitely gives off that vibe if it isn't. Um, and yeah, so that's just my biggest complaint. But like some of the movie doesn't happen if they don't throw all those things out there. So you can't really complain. And I guess it just also kind of shows like um, it's not not easy being being Chris Rock. Not that I imagine it would be, but it's definitely better. It's <laughs> definitely still better to be Chris Rock, and I think that uh, the movie acknowledges that. Um, but please go check out that if you haven't. Um, excellent film. I don't know how. He's not getting more work like that. And then he's in that new Saw movie. And I know that that was like his concept too. Um, I don't know. And like I read that there was rumors of a top five sequel. Probably way in the past at this point. But there's so many good characters in there. Like that movie honestly has a lot of potential to continue on. Or even just like li- like I hope it's legend grows with time because that is uh, definitely a hidden gem of a movie especially given how high profile all the people in it are i guess that's why i wasn't expecting what i got uh, you know it, it it just given how low key this movie was in general i i don't even re- i barely remember hearing about it at the time and it didn't make much it made like 25 mil Critically, like, it did very well, which, as deservedly so, it's probably one of the best performances by Chris Rock, too. I mean, he's not, I don't know. His dramatic chops aren't great from what I've seen. Let's just be honest. You know, Fargo, he was eh. He had his moments. I was very aware I was watching Chris Rock. Whereas in this movie, he kind of slipped out. You know, it was like I was watching another guy. Or at least a fictionalized version of himself. He did go by a different name, but you know what I mean? Really just blown away by it. Didn't expect to go 15 minutes, so we'll we'll move on. But, you know, shout out Chris Rock once again. Nothing but love for the legend. Oh, and, like, the title doesn't really make sense for the movie either. Um... They kind of, So, another... They kind of try to do, like, a recurring theme... Of like, oh, we're going to do top... Like, they try to do multiple like recurring themes so they can like have callbacks. Basically, top five is a callback thing throughout, but like not really. 
any of the like Hollywood things that they put in this movie didn't really work. And I wonder if that like had to happen to get the funding. That's maybe how that feels. I just put that together right now. And that's why it does feel kind of thrown in there. I don't know. But overall, it's a it's a must see. I would say that's a, that's a stop what you're doing, ladies and germs. Um, and co- coming forward, coming forward. I don't know if that's the proper term. I'm not about to reveal any secrets. Not that I have any secrets. Ask me stuff. I don't really plug the email address anymore because you know I don't really need to. But rfatpodcast@gmail.com definitely still open. You know. Just not a ton of messages. What are you going to do? Rfat.bigcartel.com Probably going to spend... So I'm recording this right now on a Friday. I know. See what I I told you? We're banking. Uh, And I may try to... We'll see if I get into it. But my goal... I'm hoping I'm going to get into it, get sucked in like everybody else does. Uh, and just go beginning to end Mayor of Easttown because it's about to end. And then have the next episode at least cover that a little bit. So we'll see. I mean, if I if I start it and I don't like it, I'm going to bail. Uh, but I have basically been in love with Kate Winslet my entire life. So I think it's safe to say I'll probably stay invested in the story. And also, like, everybody's losing their shit. Seems like it should be great. No reason to see why not. So that's coming up. Uh, Speaking of endings, there was the season finale of everybody's least favorite comedy show, Saturday Night Live. I don't know anyone that finds this show funny. Uh, I mean, it's on the air, because it has to be basically at this point. What else would be on? Sure. Uh, but I don't know why we care anymore. It, it, it needs to not matter. We need to if we stop acting like it matters, then it's fine that it sucks. You know, I I, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, and, and especially because every time this is what happens every single year on the season finale, they do this tradition on Weekend Update, which Weekend Update's the best part of the show anyway. Just always, basically, but especially now because it's barely ever funny in any capacity. But they do this thing where they write jokes for each other. Michael Che, Colin Jost, we've all seen it. And it's fucking incredible. Every year, they're always so funny. And my point is, like, you obviously couldn't do this every time where you're just, like, intentionally writing such shocking material because it needs the context of oh we haven't seen this before so like we're just doing this for each other i get that but the point is is that it's that funny every time because you're going for it though like if if you would just go for it and like push quote unquote boundaries which it isn't i just call it like regular comedy if you would just stop worrying about what you're saying and just try to be funny like you're doing on those, which I think Michael Che is doing anyway. I don't know. It's the brass involved, like whoever you can say, but just based on Michael Che's sketch show, 
that came out on HBO Max, which is excellent. I watched the whole thing in one sitting. sitting. It was phenomenal. And it's just like so clearly, you know, <laughs> comical. <laughs> There's actual jokes involved. He's not afraid of anything because what is there to be afraid of? You know? So I'm just saying, like, if they, I don't know, if they would just commit to, uh, hey, we can say whatever we want, you know? Like, the, the, it's a pretty clear difference between just being, like, hateful and awful and then, like, you know, writing clever material. You know? I don't know. Pretty simple, I would say. Especially because all of your not-woke material was just lame Alec Baldwin Trump character, which wasn't good. And everybody knew it wasn't good, and they kept doing it anyway. It's just like, why are we watching this? And I'm not, but the thing is, like, it's still treated as if it is this, like, cultural touchstone. But for what, like, for what purpose? Like, I don't know anybody that is like, this is the pinnacle of comedy. Like, I aspire to be this. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between wanting to be on SNL and wanting to be on this version of SNL, right? I imagine that there are people salivating, like, I would love to turn this around because if they're able, if at any point they get a cast that can actually, like, do something, they'll get lauded twice as much as they would because the expectations are now so low for everyone involved. And I mean, all the best people are leaving and they should be leaving because they're getting totally, their talents are totally wasted on the show. Uh, people hate Pete Davidson. I don't see why. Like if you, if you know, you put it, give him a microphone, he's funny. They really don't know how to use him. Like I'm sure he's probably not the hardest worker in the world. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that's not the most important thing, I would say, for that show. And Kate McKinnon, she should be a star somewhere else. She's way too good for whatever they're doing. I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's pretty rough. I'm glad that Michael Che got his own show because his special was great. And he is just great. Like I said, every time we get an update, I'll watch those YouTube videos. I'll enjoy that. <sighs> Christ. And then, like, it's more painful because at the same time, you watch Shane Gillis, who was fired from SNL for just making, for just doing what he did. Like, that's what's annoying. It's not like it was a secret. It was his public work that was out there and his joke the joke he got busted wasn't bad. Or it was bad. It wasn't good, is what I meant to say. But that's it. You know, you shouldn't get I don't, we we've been down this road a million times, a million people have. But if you want to watch good sketch comedy, watch Shane Gillis's sketch comedy, because it's good. Or watch Michael Che's show, because it's good. You know what I mean? It's just fuck improv people. They all have all these yes-anders on there just mucking up the culture. I don't know what that even means. <laughs> it's just frustrating to see 
all this praise come on it. Like, look at how good this is. Well, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Why aren't we acknowledging that in the contrast? Like, oh, isn't this a clear solution to the problem we've been having? Oh, everybody likes this version. Boom. We have a solution. But no, it's just going to be the same shit again, over and over again. And nobody ever, nobody's going to do anything about it. I don't know. Twitter just ruins everything, and that's the thing. I'm not even on it, and that's what bothers me. I'm scrolling through Instagram looking at all these tweets, and they're making me mad because they're stupid. And it's like, if I wanted to be on Twitter, I'd be on Twitter. Get Twitter off Instagram. It's just not fair, you know? The screen cap feature, uh, we weren't ready for the negative repercussions. The butterfly effect of the screen cap it's really just demoralizing for the future of all platforms because what's the point of any of them then if they're all intermingled? Really, just I just don't I don't want your thought I don't care what you think, random people, you know, just some guy says a dumb thing and it ends up on my thing and it's just like I don't like any of that and I wanna I get why you want to argue back and that's the whole purpose but it's just like if we just don't do any of it, I don't know. That's my Twitter rant. Delete Twitter. End it. I'm over it. Cancel Twitter. That's what we should do. You guys want to put your fucking powers to the test. Cancel yourselves. End it. Delete your fucking accounts. Jump off a bridge. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> on a, I guess, lighter note, speaking of things, I don't know. Not really speaking of anything there. NBC, HBO Max and such. Things that have come to an end. That fucking Friends reunion. Boy, do I have some thoughts. So for full clarification, I will say that in my early, not early, but in my childhood, Friends was my favorite show at one point in time. Maybe like third to sixth grade, roughly. Maybe middle school? I can't pinpoint it. Uh, had the complete series on DVD. Had to save and save and save. There were no way to stream it at the time. You know, had to catch the WGN episodes. So it was a tough time. Bought those DVDs. Watched it front to back. You know, Got ended up, you know, I basically I know I know the show in and out, played the trivia, loved it for a long time, grew out of it, you know, because I wasn't a child anymore, had a full brain, was able to recognize what's good and what isn't. Unlike millions of people, clearly. God damn it. <laughs> I'm fired up. But. That's because it's out of love. That's what people don't understand, right? It's just like. I can't love it blindly. I think that that's wrong. It can't be unconditional. Because that show fucking started to suck. I can't pinpoint when, just off memory. I know season one's a little too much. They're trying too hard. Everybody still kind of looks weird, too. It's hard to adjust to that. It's so 90s. And then, like, two, three, four, it's, like, gold. And uh, to this day, uh, it holds up 
for the most part. It's still, it's always a little cheesy and cheeky and it's just so like light that it just kind of makes me sick. <laughs> a lot of the time, you know, some of the jokes are just so cottony that it makes my skin crawl and that's kind of unavoidable. But it did a great job of building these characters, and that's the thing. You really knew these people in and out, and you kind of you would learn exactly like what they would do and wouldn't do, and the their behaviors all made sense for a very long time, and then eventually they just didn't anymore. It was once Chandler and Monica got together, I will say. It kind of all started to unravel. The show stayed good for a long time, but everything just runs its course no matter what, I think. Like... I don't know. I think Seinfeld stayed good even after Larry David left, but like there's a drop off. You know what I'm saying? But not nearly as much as Friends. But like that that's the closest example I can think of a show like lasting for such a long time and remaining good throughout its run. You know, we'll get to the Seinfeld comparison in a second, but I don't know. Like once it gets like the last couple seasons, especially, it's just atrocious. I mean, Chandler, who is my favorite character, obviously he's the funny one. <laughs> uh, he goes, he's like a sports guy. He's always been like a dork who can't get chicks. Right. But he goes from being, I don't know, just like neurotic and weird. But he was like a sports guy who like did business. You know what I mean? And then by the end, he's just like a limp dick loser, like com- like completely. Like he was always like the pathetic one, kind of. So was Ro- Ross was more so, I would say. But you know what I'm saying? He he wasn't like a total wimp. Like the, there were literally a bunch of episodes where they would be playing sports together. They would go to the gym. They would do all these things. And then like, by the end, it just doesn't exist. Like Chandler would rather watch the Thanksgiving day parade. Like he just became gay. Not like literally, you know, but like his personality completely shifted and it just doesn't make sense. It's unwarranted. You know, they just got lazier at writing jokes. That's what bothers me about it. Like all that happened was he started dating. You know what I mean? They started dating. You could argue that that changed, you know, people change. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, <laughs> the show, I don't know. And then like Phoebe's decision to go with Paul Rudd's character over Hank Azaria. Like, yeah, is Paul Rudd better for TV? Sure. But like, that's not the decision that that character would make. And it's not the better one for that character. You know, Hank Azaria was the better choice. And it just got so over the top eventually, you know, with the Monica's hair, Ross with the pants. You know, it just became so sitcom-y, which before it wasn't. It was, you know, it was one of the Seinfeld ripoffs that stuck. And it maintained all that. Anyway, so that's just my beef. I'm I, My point is that I'm coming from this as a fan, but an objective one. But just not a complete hater. I know that there are a lot of friends haters out there. To which I'll say, uh, give it, give some of it a chance. You know, you're missing some opportunities for sure. Um, but I will say, this reunion, 
I'm torn on it. It it kind of is a microcosm of my feelings on the show. First of all, hosted by James Corden. Fuck that. Get the Brits off my screen. We've been over this. What does this guy fucking know about friends? He was watching Simon Pegg and The Crown and all this bullshit or whatever the fuck was on TV back then. He likes the he likes the office season, you know, original with Brent. I forgot his first name. Richard Brent. I don't know. But you know what I mean? This guy, he wasn't watching Friends. If he says he was, I don't care. He's not good. He's has no talent anyway. I don't know why this guy is on TV, period. It's dumb. I don't like James Corden. <laughs> I'm just saying. Fuck him. So strike one. <laughs> Two, the table reads completely dumb. I could just watch the show. There's nothing that makes this better at all. Don't like that. Um, I will say the overall production of it is great, which it should be for the amount of money that they fucking spent. They spent $500 million just to get the rights to Friends. They gave them each like $2, $3 million just to do this thing. And that's the thing. I'll say that that's my biggest gripe about this is that those six people got the most out of this over the fans. And they got paid to do it. So that's what's the most annoying. It was like, I don't know. The, you would think that this whole thing would be fan service. And it kind of was like they rebuilt the sets and had them all walk on it. But what do you, what did the fan get out of this that they didn't already kind of know? Like there was a cut. Co- a couple behind the scenes shots, but really it was just like, oh, here's a couple times we lingered after cut. <laughs> or here's like right before we started action. It's like, oh, this, these are nice little touches. Like all, the whole thing was sizzle. There was no stake involved at all. They do a Q&A part, but they don't let everybody answer, and nobody elaborates on answers, and there's no follow-ups to any of the questions. Because it's basically just a late-night interview, right? That's why they got fucking James Corden. It's like, I, I mean, obviously, like, the extreme answer is put all six of them on Rogan and have them hash it out for four hours. We'll get a, it would be a lot better. Now, I know that that's not going to happen. Right, but that that would be the best. But we need some medium. It's just like all of it was pointless. Everybody that got a guest star cameo thing in the reunion, it was literally like, oh, somebody pops out from behind a door, and then they just wave and smile, and then they walk off. And it's like literally, who was that for? It was just for the six of them. Like that person. As far as I'm concerned, like, they got completely embarrassed by the way this looks. Like, all these people just literally walk in, smile, and wave. So you're going to take time out of your day to do this? You know, like, Thomas Lennon, like, like a Reno 911 reunion wouldn't be a big deal. I know that they did their shitty quibby thing. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not famous. I know not to friends level. But to act like that guy's not, like a famous guy. They had Elliot Gould there and the the mom. Sorry, I don't know that actress's name, but you know what I mean? And they're there for like two seconds. Elliot Gould basically just said hello. He looked very old. 
He is very old. I mean, he's been old. He was old in Ocean's Eleven. Fucking 18 years ago, whatever. 20 years ago. I think it was 2001. I was thinking in 12, Ocean's 12 there. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, what? You're dragging this guy out there? And this was done during COVID. This poor old man, pre-vax, he doesn't even get to talk. And it's just like, how long was the rough cut of this? Because if it, if it was like eight hours long, why don't we just get to watch the whole thing? They must have not done much, is what I gather. Because it's like, why cut this short? Wouldn't, like, clearly that they're aware being this deep into the streaming game now that, like, the more content, the better. So this must have not been very long. You know what I mean? They must have been there for like three hours and they cut it down to two or something. And it also, it felt phony, some of it, because we spend this whole time talking about how great all these actors are, and they are all great actors. It's what made the show. It's what makes a lot of great shows, you know? But guess what? They refused all these reunions for all these years, and it took this many millions of dollars for them to be there. Of course, they're going to fucking seem super stoked. You know what I mean? Like, they were acting. Everybody's like, oh, well, it's not scripted. Yeah, it might not be scripted. They were acting the whole fucking time, you know? None of them want to be there. That that was in the back of my head the whole time. It's like, it took them... Th- they're all getting paid $3 million. It's like, of course, they seem so invested in it. Like, that was the thing. They seemed too stoked to be back, and, like, they were too into it. Because we know you're not into it. <laughs> It took you fucking 10 years of people bitching about this for you to even consider it. And it took $10 million a piece or whatever. You know, it it just, I don't know. I thought it was clear as day. And the thing was, they're like, there was a moment where they're like, nobody could relate to what we were going through except us. And it just bothered me that the entire time during this whole special, they just didn't even acknowledge that Seinfeld exists. Not the influence on the show, which you could debate and the creators could say there was none and they'd be lying, but that's okay. But what I'm saying is to not even acknowledge like, oh, it was the number one show that like then it was us. Like you had think like Friends was like, I mean, sure, it was a big deal and everybody had the Rachel and whatever. But you act like Seinfeld wasn't crushing it at the same time on the same network, I believe. NBC was like crushing it, period, at the time. And they just didn't even mention it. And it was just weird that Schwimmer would say that. It's like, oh yeah, Jerry Seinfeld doesn't relate to what you're going through right now, buddy. <laughs> Think he knows it a little bit more. You know? And it's just the way, that's the thing. That's the way they go about this thing. They don't meant, they don't acknowledge the Joey spinoff. They don't even acknowledge episodes. The show that was, that came way later, done by this, um, two of the three creators, I believe, starring Matt LeBlanc, playing a fictionalized version of himself. Um, with lots of references to Friends and Joey and all of that stuff. And they just don't acknowledge any of that. And it's just like, well, uh, I don't, I don't know. I also, the, the Gunther cameo was nice. It was good that they got him on there. I wish that he was more involved in the series. That was always one of my gripes as the show was going on. But I don't know, like, look. I get not wanting to do a reunion. I get not wanting to ruin whatever you had. And the Friends finale was fine. Uh, The entire last season sucked anyway. So, like, yeah, it was an upgrade. 
Um, but I didn't really care for it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't really have that as much to say. I went to the friend's apartment when I was just in New York. It was very cool to see. It is in an incredible spot. Uh, I don't know if we're supposed to believe that it's like that that's where they're living, though. It kind of made me buy friends less also, like just being in the actual neighborhood. I didn't realize where it was supposed to be located. And that kind of changes things. You know, not that that show. I've always said that that show is not very New York at all. Like it doesn't. It being said in New York adds nothing to the show because they almost never acknowledge it at all. Like they say it like the words are out loud a lot. But nothing about it screams it, it could take place anywhere and there's nothing. And I guess this is still just a comparison to Seinfeld, but you know what I mean? Like just across every level, there is just. It's just outclass in every way, including its reunion. You know, it did the show within a show behind the scenes during Curb. And they made the Seinfeld reunion on Curb. And it was brilliant. I rewatched that entire season all the time. Like, for that reason. And it's just beautiful to watch. And they they updated the set, like, within the show. within Like, they actually thought it out within the show. And you could tell, like, this is what the Seinfeld reunion show would be. But it's like, why actually produce it? Because that's how you get disappointed. If you make it hard, if you make it, like, snuck into this thing. And then it's just like, holy shit, this is super cool. Whereas if NBC drops an hour special and it's the actual story, it doesn't work as well. You know, I don't know. I I loved the move. And then they did like another mini one with comedians and cars where George Costanza's one. And I hate that it's not available anymore because it was like a Super Bowl ad technically. But that episode is great because it's they Boom, it's a modern-day Seinfeld for 10 minutes, and that's great. I'd read before that they said, like, oh, if we were to do a reunion, it would be one scene, us getting out of jail. Obviously, too late for that now, but you know what I mean? Like, the right idea of actually preserving the work and, like, doing something that's worth it. It's like, no. For Friends, all they did was fucking finally get... They were finally able to name the price that worked... And, like, they kind of tried. Sure, they built sets. Like, good for you. I don't know. And they did a whole segment in the middle of just, like, hey, look at all these people in Ghana that love Friends. And then they just had a bunch of people tell their tragic tales and about how Friends got them through it. Come on. It was such horseshit. Fast-forwarded right through that whole thing. I don't know. And then there was this big reveal that wasn't even a big reveal. They like they were like, oh, Schwimmer and Aniston were fucking. And then they're like, oh, wait, no, they weren't fucking. They just had a crush on each other. And it's like, oh, okay. So you either did or didn't. But either way, like this isn't news. It's like we could have guessed that y'all were hooking up when you were just hooking up on camera the whole time. It's tail old as time, you know, but they acted like it was a big thing and they like, didn't really want to just say it, but it's like, say it or don't, who cares? You know? And then the way Schwimmer was presenting it, it was almost like, you know, if you're still interested, Aniston, <laughs> I'm, I'm down. 
I don't know what either of their situations are, but it definitely seemed like Schwimmer was like, yeah, uh, definitely still down to be with Jennifer Aniston. Just letting everybody know and making it perfectly clear that she won't let me. (laughs) He was like, I want everybody to know I was down from day one, (laughs) which I respect. You got to throw that out there. And Matthew Perry just got no respect the whole special. I don't know if he maybe actually said the least and or whatever. But I would say based on who gets the most time on both on camera but like the most speaking time in this special. It's it's close, but it's it's relatively ranked, I would guess, on who was most famous. Right. So it's arguable for most of them, but you just know the guys are the three least famous and, you know, within them, Matthew Perry is the least famous. You know, it goes Schwimmer, LeBlanc, Perry, right? Like you can rank the the women. It's hard to rank in whatever, but they're the top three in whatever order you choose. It's Aniston one. Let's not be crazy. But after that, you can you can decide. Um, so my point with that is, um, it's Jennifer Aniston talks the whole fucking time. Again, Rachel is the least interesting character on this show. I didn't even mention that in the beginning either, but the, the, the fascination with her is crazy. It's just so weird how everybody's just like, look at the hot person. Aren't they the best? I don't know how those are correlated. Can we can call her hot? Yes. But her character was terrible. And only got worse. Very one-dimensional. And not very funny. She, I, that's not her fault. That's the writing's fault. But, you know. Um. But, yeah. I just felt like Matt LeBlanc and Matthew Perry did not really get to talk much the whole time. But especially Matthew Perry. And I know that he's been through a lot. I don't know exactly what. But I've heard many a story in that vein. You know, if you catch my drift, if you notice Chandler's weight fluctuation might give you a little bit of an idea as to what may have been going on over there behind the scenes of whole nine yards. (laughs) Uh, None of them have had remotely good film careers. Jennifer Aniston's the only one who's really even been in movies. Like, with any type of consistency that I can recall. And they're not good. Her movies are pretty bad, historically, I will say. Although I am an Along Came Polly fan, how could you not be? Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know. Big old Ben Stilly, the homie. I will say, one of the segments they did was like a trivia type segment based on the one with the embryos, which is far and away the best episode of the show. My favorite hands down um, where the a plot is Joey and Chandler play trivia against Monica and Rachel. And it escalates as a competition into who gets whose apartment. I just love trivia doesn't get much more deep than that but it's a great episode the b plot is phoebe getting her brother's babies implanted in her it's pretty bad but you know whatever 
Giovanni Ribisi, at least, you know, and your girl, Deborah from that 70s show. What's her last name? Rupp? Is it Rupp? I don't know. Um, you know, they were good, but it's that, that entire storyline I was never interested in. Really, any of Phoebe's side plots never interested me. Honestly, did anybody's side plot ever really beat? Was that was always the flaw of the show. Everybody's individual stories always sucked. You know, like J- the Joey Chandler love triangle was kind of interesting. But that's because it involved two of them. You know? Because, I mean, fucking John Favreau wasn't interesting with Monica. I guess Tom Selleck kind of was with Monica, but more so once Chandler was involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Because once once Rachel wasn't with Ross, all of her side stuff stopped being it. You know, you can just go on, on, on and on down the list. I would really only say Chandler and Janice, I guess. And then Phoebe and David, again. Missed opportunity. So it's just like any time this show got something right, they then turned around and fucked it all up. I don't like it. But I guess it was never really going for the... This show was never striving to be the quality comedy show, I guess. Maybe that's maybe that's my problem. It wanted to be the family fun half hour or whatever. I don't know. They just all became caricatures of themselves by the end. I, I don't... I don't know how we're supposed to be that invested in that. And then let's just like... The adoption side plot. Tulsa, Oklahoma side plot. It's like... What are we doing? You know, it was just like such outrageous things. And then like the things that would happen and it would just be so crazy. Whereas like before you used to be like, oh, this relationship got weird because of a thing. You know, we were on a break, you know, the classic thing, right? Somehow that became the most enduring classic moment of the show, didn't it? But it's just like, yeah, that's a it was a pretty basic like human situation that happened. But then at the end, like, you know what I mean? Chandler works in Oklahoma because he fell asleep in a meeting. Like, that's that's where we're going? How do you get that broad? That's just what I'm saying. It's just diverted. Turned into the Big Bang Theory. I don't know. <laughs> Not even. It's just disappointing. But, like, you know, the... I just keep dogging on it. I get it. But the later seasons do have their moments. Like Barbados was great. And I don't know. I th- They just fell victim to their own popularity. The money became a thing. I know they were all making a million per episode at one point, which is just insane. So like I get it. I get why it happened, but... I don't forgive it. That's the thing. I'm not lenient. I'm like, oh, yeah, but I like like four seasons. What's well, like, then you don't like the show, you know? And it would be fine if it was like a majority, like if eight of the seasons were killer and then the last two were a little eh. So I don't know. Like anybody who tells me their favorite show is The Office, it's like, really? 
two seasons are terrible, and you could argue two more are bad. So it's like, that's your favorite show? You know? All of it counts. Just saying. But look, I mean, it's like, it's not like I wish they didn't do this reunion special. So I will say overall, like, it was successful. It stayed entertaining. As I said, like, brilliant job with the production. Like, they made it feel like a big, grand thing. It felt like they spent millions on it, which is good, because if it just felt like a 60 Minutes segment or, you know, special on them, everyone would just be up in arms. <laughs> you know, so they tried really hard, but I don't know. It's just lacking. It's, I don't know. Part of it is just like they wanted it to be so PG too. Like literally like it's beeped out. It's just such a, they want it to be such a global, how do we appeal to every single person? But it's just like, what? Why are you trying to appeal? They're like, they made this special as if people who don't watch Friends will watch it, which they will, I guess. But it's, it's, it's weird. It's a double-edged sword in that. Because they want it to have a broad appeal, but it's also fan service. You know what I mean? That's why I'm conflicted. Like, I... I don't really understand why they put it out like this in this very cut, very polished thing like it's going to be on NBC with commercials, but it's on the streaming service. Like, you can do what you want. They should have at least cut, like, two versions, maybe? I don't know. Because it seems like it's trying to appeal to some to people who have never watched Friends while also... Like, it clearly wants diehards to be head over heels, too. But I don't know how anybody who, like, loves this show would see this and be like, oh, this fills a void in me. You know? I'm also just not really a guy, at least anymore. Maybe I'm just washed out of reboots. I'm just so... Everything... Things that you've never heard of are being rebooted. And sometimes for the better... You know, it ends up being a better product, I guess, but it's just like, it's just content for the sake of it. And I, that's the thing. I don't even like the word content, you know, cause that, that almost implies that it's just, here's, a, it's just, here's a bunch of shit. It, it implies quantity over quality, which I don't like. Um, so yeah, maybe it's just the reboot sickness, but I don't long for shows that are over to come back. At least anymore. I feel like I used to. And then, you know, one or two things came back and it was like, fuck yeah. And now everything is coming back. And it's just like, well, now if nothing ever ends, we should never be invested. You know, they're basically saying that everything is pointless. It's that same thing. Like, if everything is good, nothing is good. If nothing is ever canceled and or no show ever ends and it always comes back then why do we watch it in the first place if the whole goal is just to do this forever? You know, we always thought it was bad enough 
or not, I guess there's no we there, but there's always been comparisons of U.S. television to British television, right? In that they do like 12 episodes max or something, and that's two seasons for them. And then there's closure, and then like, yeah, here, Friends, for example, 10 seasons, 200-something episodes. Isn't that crazy in comparison? Yes. Why can't we just let it die there? Now it's like, not only will America let a show run for fucking 15 years and 300 episodes, but then 10 years later we'll bring it back and do it again? It's just like, I don't know. Even if it's good, I guess, like, shouldn't you just want more good? That's a tough argument you're making there, Adam. Thank you, Adam. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have the answer to that part of it. I don't know. They're bringing Dexter back because they fucked it up. It's also just like, if a show ends, it ends. That's That's it. You got your chance. I don't know. It's weird. It's not like Family Guy where it's like it got canceled and then they're like, oh, we fucked up. The DVD sales are crazy. Let's bring it back. You know what I mean? It's literally like just at this point, people are sitting around like, ah, what's something else we used to do? Bring it back. You know, I don't know. Not everything has the stories. I don't know. Like, if they did another season of Friends, it would be horrific. And I'm glad that they're all aware and that they all made plenty of money and kept it. Maybe not Matthew Perry. Who knows? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I hope you're all right, Matthew. I love you. It's just where we're at. I don't know. What are they going to bring back next? When does it end? Can we just have something, just something new, something new, please? But at the same time, I don't know if they are back Entourage, I would be on board because I keep hearing them talk about it on Victory the Podcast, which is great for the most part. It's all right. But But they keep talking because they're like, we didn't want the show to end. I had plenty of ideas. And that explains why the ending of it sucked. Because they weren't ready to end it. They wrapped it up. And the ending of Andrade is bad. It's so None of it makes any sense. It just happens very quickly. Boom, bat, boom, it's over. And I'm glad that they're doing that podcast and that show's getting the respect it deserves slowly. You know, it's on the homepage of HBO now. You go, Doug Allen and co. And that movie was good. I don't get why anybody would say that that movie's not good. I like that movie a lot. Um, We'll end on a fun story. About the Entourage movie, actually. Uh, So I was always a big Entourage fan from the jump, honestly. Started watching it. While it was on, maybe we didn't get into it till season three. Maybe. Um, you know, it was back when you could get the Descrambler box, get all the shows for free, get all the channels for free. Definitely never paid for HBO. Just want to say that. Simpler times, better times. Arguably. 
So anyway, always been a big Entourage fan, so when the movie comes out, naturally, I'm ecstatic. I'm like, this is going to be fucking awesome. This is going to be the best thing ever. Hype. Me and the boys decide we're going to go. Uh, I was living... Living with my ex is a stretch. It was more so like I was held captive there. I had too much pride to leave and go back to my parents' house is really what it was. Um, so that is on me, ultimately. But things weren't great, folks. Things were not great. Uh, so anyway, we see the movie. Loved it. Get back. What'd you see? Saw Entourage, you know. As I said, I was going to. Lied and said maybe not. Because if I said I was definitely going to, there was already a fight brewing, is the point. And you may ask, why? Um, Because apparently nude scenes in a movie is cheating. And I got yelled at for quite a long time. And uh, my mother had to weigh in on the issue. As well as her mother. And they were both like, this is crazy. And I was like, yep, that's what I'm dealing with. So, that's my Entourage movie story. (laughs) She was like screaming, crying at the top of her lungs. It was insane. And I remember because she was reading through the plot, like, you know, a written out plot of the movie. And then there's just like, yeah, there's a scene where there's like, you know, there's sex scenes in the movie. And when you read them out loud, it's like, yeah, that seems pretty explicit. But it's like, that's not what's going on, and that's not why I'm seeing this movie. And regardless, the point is, is that Entourage is not a misogynistic show. I just want to point that out to everyone out there. There's, I mean, nudity exists. Movie stars fuck people, you know? And they barely have it happen in the show. It's not as much as you think. The show is about male friendship. And anybody that is like, oh, you know, we recognize that men have feelings too and blah 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 if you're one of those people then understand that that's what this show is and that's who it is for and it's for the boys and this is what this is that's what the boys do it's hard to explain we don't talk about it you know you punch someone in the shoulder and you say fuck you and it and it's it's endearing i promise Whatever happens in Entourage. <laughs> I kind of got blinded by rage in the middle of it there. I don't really know what I said, but you get the point. That's the gist. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, rfat.bigcartel.com for .com, not .cob. It's not a corn site. Um, rfat.bigcartel.com for the merch. Link in the description below, as well as multiple music options. Multiplex Wolf X. We got them both. That's right, ladies and germs. Making electronic jams for your pleasure. Link below. All of it. Rate, review, subscribe. Great to be here. (laughs) And uh, you'll hear me next week or whenever you decide to. But it'll be banked. So just be ready for that. And remember, I are fat, you are fat, we are fat. Calculator.